John the Baptist wasn't afraid to proclaim the truth. He's the one who has prophesied that would prepare the way for the promised Messiah. And John did this work faithfully, boldly proclaiming the truth to everyone, no matter who they were. And when the religious leaders at that time came out to see him as he was in the wilderness baptizing many, John wasn't afraid to call them out, addressing them as a brood of vipers because they were leading people astray with their false teaching and were claiming that they were saved because of their earthly relationship to Abraham. John didn't stop there. He even boldly proclaimed his message of repentance to King Herod after he fell into the sin of adultery. John wasn't afraid to boldly proclaim the truth. But upon proclaiming this message of repentance to King Herod, well, it angered him. And so he had John thrown into prison. And right after John was thrown into prison, he probably wasn't that worried. Because surely it was only a matter of time until the promised Messiah, whose way he was preparing, would miraculously deliver him from prison. And surely it was only a matter of time until he was free from his prison cell and was once freely proclaiming his message of repentance once again. Surely it was only a matter of time. But day after day went by, and there John sat in his prison cell. And in our verses for today, we hear that as John was sitting, rotting away in his prison cell, doubt started to creep into his mind. Well, John was in prison, he heard about the things Christ was doing. And so he sent two of his disciples to ask him, Are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? I mean, John was the one who baptized Jesus, hearing God the Father say that this was his son with whom he was well pleased. John had seen Jesus perform all kinds of amazing miracles in person. And John, as he was sitting in prison, continued to hear about the amazing things that Jesus was doing. Even though John had all of this evidence that pointed to the fact that Jesus was the promised Messiah, well, John was now conflicted. Because sure, it was easy to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah when he was seeing the miracles and when he was able to freely proclaim the truth. But now that Jesus was sitting in his prison cell, well, now he started to doubt that Jesus really was the Messiah. Because in John's mind, the obvious thing for the promised Messiah to do was to miraculously have him escape from prison. This is what John expected. And since Jesus wasn't doing what John thought the promised Messiah should do, well, that led John to ask the question, are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? And John wanted a clear answer. Tell me if you're the promised Messiah, or if you're just some miracle worker, so that I know if I need to look for someone else or not. And since Jesus wasn't meeting John's expectations, John was filled with doubt. And we can understand where John is coming from, can't we? 
I mean, we all have our own thoughts, ideas, and expectations of how we think the promised Messiah should work in our world today. We expect Jesus to punish the wickedness that we see in this world. We expect Jesus to give us at least a decent life here on this earth. We expect Jesus to allow his church to rapidly grow. We all have our own thoughts, ideas, and expectations of how we think the promised Messiah should work. And yet when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, doubt can also creep into our minds, just as it did to John in our verses for today. It can feel like Jesus has lost control of what's going on in the world. It can feel like Jesus is going to let the wickedness of the world go completely unpunished. It can feel like Jesus isn't doing what he's supposed to do. And doubt can easily creep its way into our minds. But when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, the problem isn't with Jesus. The problem is that we're trying to fashion a Messiah that came to fulfill all of our wants and desires. It's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't come to fulfill our expectations of what we think he should do. The promised Messiah came to fulfill all of the prophecies and promises that God had given about him in the past. Really, Jesus came not to be the Messiah that we expect or want him to be. Jesus came to be the Messiah that we need him to be. And as Jesus responds to John's question that was filled with doubt, he makes this truth very apparent in how he responds to John. Jesus answered the disciples of John, telling them, Go, report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Jesus could have simply responded to John's question by saying yes and left it at that. But instead, Jesus responds in a way to silence all of the doubt that had risen in John's mind and to give him every reason to believe without a doubt that he truly is the promised Messiah. And Jesus does this by pointing to all the amazing miracles that he had performed. Curing all kinds of diseases and ailments, raising the dead to life. And all these amazing miracles really just pointed to the greatest thing that Jesus came to do. Because by curing these effects of sin, Jesus proved himself to be the one that would bring perfect spiritual restoration through his death and resurrection. This is what Jesus was trying to tell John. And really, here Jesus was telling John that you have no reason to doubt that because I came to be the Messiah that you need me to be, you can know that I will never abandon you to face the punishment of all of your sins. Because I came to be the Messiah that you need me to be, you can be assured that through the work I came to accomplish, that you will have eternal life in heaven. And Jesus, as the promised Messiah, because all of this was true, could then say, Blessed is the one who does not take offense at me. But those who through faith see Jesus as the promised Messiah will be blessed 
as they hold on to this truth. Knowing that Jesus truly is the one who was prophesied way back when Adam and Eve fell into sin, that this is the one who would crush the serpent's head. He is the one that God promised to send so long ago. But holding on to this truth in a sinful world is not easy. Troubles and hardships will come into our lives that we don't expect to happen as being faithful believers. And when these troubles and hardships come, just like John, doubt can easily come into our minds. But as we hear of everything that Jesus has accomplished for us, we too can know that he will never abandon us. And so with our faith founded on the work of Christ, the Messiah we truly need, we can know that he has won the forgiveness of sins for us in eternal life in heaven. This is the truth that Jesus wanted John to know. This is the truth that Jesus told John's disciples to report back to him to silence the doubt and to strengthen his faith once again to focus on his promised Savior. And as Jesus continues, he then moves on from explaining to John that as the promised Messiah, he would defy expectations to then addressing the crowd before him. And he tells them that the prophets that God would send would defy their expectations. And so, too, would the message they bring. Jesus said to the crowd before him, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? No, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. With these first two questions, Jesus really wanted his audience to think about what they went out to see when they went to see John out in the wilderness and came to faith. They didn't go out and see a reed shaken by the wind, which would have been a preacher who simply proclaimed a message that was accommodating to everyone in the audience that didn't speak of sin and that simply is what people wanted to hear. But no, this isn't the preacher that John was. John was bold in proclaiming the truth and was bold in proclaiming his message of repentance. And this is the very reason that John ended up in prison in the first place. And they certainly didn't go out and see John in soft clothes, which is what a king would be wearing. Rather, they saw quite the opposite. They saw a strange man who had a diet of wild locust and honey and who also had a strange choice in wardrobe. So if you didn't go out to see someone like this, well, what did you go out to see? Jesus continues. A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and he is much more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. This is what the people went out to see. A prophet, but not just any prophet. This is the one who was prophesied that would prepare the way for the promised Messiah. And this is why, John, or why Jesus calls John more than a prophet, because he not only pointed to Christ as did other prophets, but with John coming onto the scene, he brought an end to the time of prophecy. Really, John lived with one foot in the Old Testament and with one foot in the New Testament as well. 
And because of the important role that John played, Jesus tells the crowd, Amen, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not appeared anyone greater than John the Baptist. But even though John, in appearance, didn't seem to be great by any means, the promised Messiah himself says that John truly is great. And after speaking these words of praise about John, Jesus then seems to criticize John with what he says next. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So how can Jesus go from describing John as one of the greatest prophets to then saying that those who are the least in the kingdom of God are greater than John? Well, it's because God works in unexpected ways. That sinners who recognize the wretchedness of their sin are greater than John, not because of anything in themselves, but because of the forgiveness and the life that has been won for them through the promised Messiah. And it's an unexpected message, but this is how God works. And this naturally leads us to try and find out who the least are in God's kingdom. And as we do that this morning, it's maybe not hard for us to see others as being the least in God's kingdom. Because after all, as you see others fall into sins that you would never dare commit, well, surely they're the least in the kingdom of God. But as you think more about who the least is in the kingdom of God, just as I can easily see myself as the least in the kingdom of God, you can also easily see yourself as the least in the kingdom of God as well. That's because you know the sins that you've fallen into. You know the shame and the guilt that you feel for the things that you've done. You know the times when you've begged for God's forgiveness, only to fall into the very same sin time and time again. And because you are the least in God's kingdom, you would expect God to tell you that you will face the punishment for all of your sins. You would expect God to tell you that the gates of heaven are only open for those who are greater than you. You would expect God to work in this way. But God does the unexpected. That even for a sinner like you, who is the least in his kingdom, he sent his one and only son who made himself the least by stripping himself of power and glory when he came that very first Christmas morning, who made himself the least by becoming lower than anyone else had ever gone before, being forsaken by God on the cross as he suffered the punishment for my sins and as he suffered the punishment for your sins. That from the manger to the cross, Jesus is indeed the least. And yet at the same time, Jesus is the greatest. He has the name above all names and he truly is God's promised Messiah. And because of what Christ has accomplished for you, the least in God's kingdom, God sees you as great. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see your weaknesses and faults. He doesn't see your sins. When God looks at you, he sees the work of Christ lived perfectly in your place. 
He sees you as righteous. He sees you as holy. And he sees you as perfect. This is what the promised Messiah has done for you. How unexpected. So yes, Jesus may not always be the Messiah that we want him to be. And when this happens, like John, we can sometimes be filled with doubt. But because he is the Messiah that we truly need him to be, we can know that we are great in the kingdom of God and have eternal life in heaven because of the work that he has accomplished for us. Amen.